The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Let's get to our guest. Wang Shengzhu is with us, a global head of asset management at Haitong International. Joining us from our studios in uh, Hong Kong. Wang Shengzhu, thank you so much for being with us. I think we have to agree that the U.S. has an inflation problem. It's going to lead to much tighter financial conditions. U.S. rates are moving higher. We know that. Conversation now is that a terminal rate could get to 5%. Do you think the dollar is going to get a lot more um, stronger from levels that we have seen currently? Well, uh, my sense is that the the market is get used to um, a near-term rapid Fed rate hike, even towards the, the terminal rate. So the dollar going to be continue to support it by the high interest rate in the U.S., and it may last for a while. But I think that when the, the market realized that the, the, the Fed going to reach an uh, end point, for example, in the next 12 months, and the market going to react earlier to that, it's going to help soften the dollar strength. We're also looking very closely in terms of the reaction to China as we look ahead to the China Party Congress. And that is, as you're seeing, a policy easing against the Fed tightening. What kind of, I guess, further policy stimulus you're expecting from China authorities? Mm-hmm. Uh, China has been doing both monetary easing and fiscal easing in this year. Well, the, the monetary easing, as we can see from the credit growth, is that the, the, the for household credit growth is still weak. But there we have seen the latest number in September that um, the, the corporate loan growth has been rising, which shows that the government is trying to support the corporates, including the, the real estate companies in this situation. On fiscal easing, I expect, well, for the party congress, it won't discuss near-term policies. It's more on the long-term, for example, five-year growth agenda and the policy agenda. But the fiscal, any fiscal stimulus so far this year will be further constrained by the uh, local government debt burdens and also the fiscal, the decline of fiscal revenues um, so far this year. We're going to get uh, some CPI data for China in a short while from now. Give me your sense on on what inflation is like on the mainland. Uh, inflation is still quite low. It's around two percent uh, in both um, headline and the CPI uh, and and the core inflation. Unlike in the in the U.S., it's largely boosted by commodity prices because chi- in China the the largest component is food instead of energy. And for food, the, 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 the in China still have a relatively balanced 
supply and demand in that component, and also the housing price are under pressure for the, in the last 24 months. So I don't expect the inflation pressure in China going to come anytime soon. So a 30-second day there of a stronger-than-expected yuan fix. What kind of balance are you seeing from the PBOC in terms of uh, the need to ease and also the depreciation pressure of the currency? Well, for the currency, the like many other currencies, uh, the the Chinese renminbi has been under depression pressure this year, given the very strong dollar. And uh, we mentioned that the PBOC continue to give stimulus or financial support to to the to the domestic economy. Well, I think the, the the next task or important consideration is that it has to balance the pace of um, depreciation uh, versus the domestic uh, fin uh, monetary easing. I think they are getting the, um, the balance uh, relatively stable and try to manage expectations on one-way depreciation uh, uh, down the road. I think that's what they try to do now. One of the things that could spell trouble for the Chinese economy overall is uh, the move by the Biden administration to restrict Chinese companies from having advanced chip-making equipment or employing American citizens uh, without getting a, a, a license beforehand. And I'm wondering whether or not this is a cause of, of concern for you and whether or not it causes you maybe to resist in putting money to work in, in Chinese technology companies, whether they be in any way connected to the chip-making environment or, or something like a, an auto manufacturer that's heavy, heavily reliant on chips. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, I think this is definitely a negative news uh, to the Chinese chip production industry in terms of long-term development and the CAPEX spending. And uh, as we can see from two days ago, also the, uh, the Biden's administration's the, the national security strategy that for the next decade, the priority is to outcompete China. So the, the U.S. Chip Act and the recent ban on the, um, on, the, on the chip industry, on the equipment exports is only another step to, to be consistent with this agenda. Well, unfortunately, we are in this situation that China and the U.S. or U.S. has to uh, decide to, to outcompete China for the next decade. But uh, my hope is that in the five years term, uh, first of all, there, there, there's some foreign companies get one-year exemption, for example, Sensor and TSMC. Um, so the, in the short term, the situation is still okay. And um, my hope is that in the in the longer term, uh, for example, on the Chinese side, they continue to uh, to increase CAPEX spending and self-sufficiency um, in the chip industry. And also the China and the U.S. can finally find some solution to, to have a better outcome to uh, for a cooperative uh, manner. So much pressure on the developers, but you did see a little bit of a rebound in Hong Kong trade yesterday, and that was also on a Bloomberg report about uh, the city's government considering cutting property tax for non-resident buyers. When you look at the property sector in both Hong Kong and China, are there some, some more opportunities for 2023? Well, I think the, the real estate market is still searching for a bottom. 
at this moment, and I don't see a strong rebound or upside potential for the next 12 months. Uh, the reason is that, first of all, Hong Kong is also facing a rising interest rate environment along with the U.S. rate hikes because the the, the, the Hong Kong dollar packing re regime. And second, uh, under the current COVID measures, even Hong Kong has reopened. Uh, the, the, the travel to mainland, also the mainland tourists or investors are still uh, very restrictive. So in this situation, I don't think the demand is going to pent up and to support the real estate market, including the rental market. All right. Great to have you with us. I know you've got to run to TV as well. Sheng Ju Wang, Global Head of Asset Management at Haitong International with us in our Hong Kong studio. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at CutterEconomicForum.com.